Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you came to join us here today. We pray that you are encouraged from today's message from our associate pastor, Peter Vischer. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. (laughs) Hope you had an amazing Christmas. Uh, I'm sure you're coming off of a lot of parties and a lot of gatherings. We had our fourth yesterday, last night, and so I tell you, I am so packed full of like turkey and stuffing and chocolates and whatnot, and then you get Christmas gifts and you're like, should have got it a little bigger, you know? But I mean, so this is really motivating the New Year's goals now as we move into 2024. But um, I just wanted to thank you for making church a priority. Awesome that we condensed our 9.30, 11.30 service into a 10.30 and the house is full. The house is packed. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, today I want to share a message with you called Let Go and Let God. Let go and let God. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a wash. It's a bit of a cleanse. It's a bit of a, a launching forward kind of message, which is really good to hear as we go into 2024. Um, it's meant to encourage you to clarify the most important things in your life. And I'm going to talk about three specific categories of things that you can let go of as you move into the new year. Those things are desires, distractions, and disappointments. And more than letting go, there's a releasing that happens, but there's also an embracing of the goodness, the the power and the presence of God and the blessing that He has for you in your life. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 to 14, such an awesome passage. Paul is talking about casting off everything I, I, I love holiness. I love this idea of being set apart. And so often there's just kind of this trimming away of stuff that happens in our lives. Even things that we previously thought were good in order to experience God's power and abundant life. So in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Whatever were gains to me, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Verse 13 continues. It says, forgetting what is behind. Isn't this a great New Year's scripture? Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. That's a good New Year's word too. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this eternal perspective. I I love this heavenly focus that the Apostle Paul had. And so this is a freedom verse. It's a good one for the new year. Um, I think every good message should include vulnerability and some level of sharing. And so I'm going to include myself in this message because I'm in a process continually, not just at the end of December, not just in going into January, but all the time of clarifying what's true and what's most important. Um, Remember the Good and Beautiful God series that we went through. We talked about false narratives. We talked about Jesus' narratives. I'm in that process of replacing false narratives with new and better narratives, hopefully Christ-like narratives. Now, one of the beliefs that I picked up growing up, and I believe it goes goes deep into like my Dutch heritage, you know, um, is this idea of like work ethic and, and being busy. And it's not a bad thing. I actually think it's a really good thing to be a purpose-driven person, to be um, always accomplishing, moving forward, busy. But then with that, sometimes I've realized there can be an unhealthy obsession 
where I struggle to rest and I can't stop and I can't enjoy things. And um, ask my wife, I've changed a lot over the years. 17 years of ministry, I've, I've changed, I've grown, and I'm learning how to rest, I'm learning how to stop, and it's amazing. But for a long time, that was a narrative that I lived by. Now, another one that I've had to release is this idea of strength that I, I have to be strong all the time. And so I went through a season years ago, especially, where I would just admire people with ironclad emotions. And I'd watch them bear up under grief and sadness, and then that person never cries, you know, problems never get to them. And then learning to be vulnerable, learning to um, cast my cares to the Lord. I learned that it's not commendable to body, bottle up pain and problems. God doesn't call us to carry stuff on our own. We can leave those things at the foot of the cross. We can receive his love, his peace, his comfort. We can be vulnerable with Christ-like confidants and friends. We can let go of hurts and disappointments. Amen? Now, there's a letting go of control when we do that, and that, that's hard because we like to be in control. Um, now, here's what I want you to wrestle with today. It's so important that I put it on the slide for you. We may think it's admirable when we can carry a lot. There's a lot of you that can carry a lot of things, but it's not admirable if we're carrying the wrong things, the wrong stuff. And I've been guilty before of giving people affirmation as a pastor and as a leader when they come to me and they're, they're hyperventilating and they're saying, I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. I got no time. And I'm just like, you just squeeze those last few minutes out of your day. You just keep going. It's not the right answer. It's the wrong answer. Or maybe somebody is carrying on about problems they have, and it's consuming their world, and they, I dive right into the despair with them. I dive right into the pain and the problems with them. It's not the right answer. Because busy schedules, full calendars, nonstop notifications, even people's ability to bear up under pain and problems is not always admirable. God is saying, let go of some stuff let go of some things. Um, so my job as a pastor is not to say do more, lift more, pick things up. It's to say lay them down. Lay those things down. Release them to God. And that's not to encourage you to be lackadaisical and uh, careless and carefree, but rather just to have this incredible dependency upon God where He's first your relationship with Jesus is first, and you're letting go of things that steal focus and attention. And so let's pray with that in mind as we move into the remainder of today's message. Thank you, Jesus. God, this is such a New Year's message. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like Paul, to cast off everything that hinders, everything that holds us back. God, to embrace the things that further your plan and your purpose for every person in this room today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us in this journey, that these are not just words, but that, Holy Spirit, you're working even as I communicate today. And the whole church said, amen. amen. All right, first point, let go of desire. Desire, and I want to clarify here. I'm not talking about good desires, because there's a this this word is throughout the Bible. Um, the Bible says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And so, there's good desire, there's righteous desire that comes from loving the Lord. 
And as you make him your number one, you find yourself full. You're satisfied as he fills your life with good relationships and blesses your marriage and your routine and and your children. And we desire to be holy, which means set apart. I mentioned that before. We desire to be pure, to live at peace with others, to be productive, effective, efficient. It's one of my favorite prayers. Chantel will tell you, I pray it all the time. I'm like, God, help me to be productive, effective, efficient in every good work that you present before me in ministry, at home, all the time. Those are good desires. But the Bible says in Ephesians that we need to put off our old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires. And so there's desire for God and His goodness that is stirred up by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but then there's lustful, covetous, ungoverned desire that comes from the flesh. And I want to encourage you today, let that go. Cut it off. In the first story of the Bible, I'm only going to give a brief nod to this. We're not going to go through Genesis completely, but we have Adam and Eve And um, the serpent comes to these two people in the form of a snake and tells them, God is withholding. What a lie from the pit of hell, hey? God is withholding. The root of deceitful desire suggests that what God has provided is insufficient. God had given them a lush and beautiful garden to enjoy, and he tested their free will and said there is but one tree. This is quite the story. One tree, stay away from it. Don't touch it. Don't eat from it. Uh, A a definition of desire, I remember Pastor Matty Coppin saying it all the time. He's back in Australia now, and we love that guy. But he would say that the word desire means to advise yourself, to advise yourself. And we do it all the time. We advise self. And so these two people begin advising self, and they give counsel to their flesh, and they meditate and long for something internally that God said not to do. They desire what they don't have. And so what do they do? Of course, they, they go and eat from the tree. And we see that pattern, don't we? We see that pattern on Boxing Day, and we see that pattern pattern all the time. People advising self. Our culture amplifies and celebrates a narrative that we what you don't have is what you need. Doesn't that sound like the basis for like marketing and advertising? What you don't have is what you need. And so this gets people buying, and this gets people in debt. But the Bible teaches us that we don't need as much as we think we do. We don't need as much as we think we do. Some of you are thinking, I wish I would have known this before I went and spent all my gift cards and whatnot. I don't know. Um, But one of my favorite scriptures, and I I ruminate on this scripture all the time. I love it. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm, that's That's a good verse. Another version says, godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. This is a rich verse. You are rich when you discover the secret that pursuing the Lord and being thankful is the best way to live life. It's a simple life. It's a joyful life. It's a rich life in your relationship with Christ. Um, Now, a story for you. I don't know if anybody ever kind of perfects this thing of desire, because desire, advising self, it's just kind of always there. But I went through a season in 2023 where I got it in my head that I just wanted to look at vehicles. 
And so, not a new vehicle, by the way. We can't afford a new vehicle. Um, and not actually because I even need another vehicle. I didn't. I was fine. I'm embarrassed to say that. But I would just scroll through pages and pages and pages of used vehicle ads, and I would get excited because I would find good deals. And I even messaged a few people, but in the end, I knew deep down, we don't need another vehicle. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'd get this rush. Oh, it felt so good when I'd see a car or an SUV that I really, really liked. And I would show Chantel, and she's way more mature than me. She would just roll her eyes and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I had to be careful, because if I kept going, you know what I would have done? I would have bought a vehicle. I would have bought another vehicle. Um, and I can even think of times, I can think of two times, two separate vehicles this past year where I even messaged the seller and said, yes, I want it. I'm coming. I'm coming to take it for a test drive. This is good. Both times it fell through, and both times I look back and I go, thank God that that fell through because that would have been a terrible financial decision for us, not to mention we didn't need it. But what was stirring inside of me was desire. Same thing with, with the mall. Um, Chantel and I went to Banff a few weeks ago and we stopped at Cross Iron Mills. Anybody ever been? Woo I had never been to Cross Iron Mills before. I was like, oh, this is a really nice mall. Um, but anyhow, we're just, we just can't even help ourselves. We're just going through all the shops and Chantel's trying on boots and I'm trying on shoes and trying on coats. Now, you'd be really proud of us. We walked out with having bought nothing except lunch in the food court. I'm so proud of us for doing that. But anyhow, it could have, it could have gone the other way. Um, but maybe it's not material things. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's vacations. Maybe it's uh, promotions at work. These are not bad things. Hear me now. Don't, don't go home and say, Pastor said that it's bad to buy. I'm not saying that. Um, we accomplish. We accumulate things. But those who seek the Lord, first and foremost, will lack no good thing. The God takes care of you. Pursuing Him above all else, making Him your first desire, you'll lack no good thing. When you do that, suddenly you discover there's more time, there's more savings, there's more joy, there's more contentment. There's a quote that you've probably heard before. It says, God is not against you having stuff. He's against stuff having you, right? God's not against you having stuff. He's against stuff having you. And you can fill in the blank. God is not against you doing sports, but he's against sports having you. He's not against your fancy vehicle, but does your fancy vehicle have you or your beautiful home or your bank account? God wants your heart. He wants your heart. And I quoted this verse a few weeks ago during an offering moment. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, where your heart is there your treasure is also. And maybe some of you would say, how do you know what I treasure, pastor? That'd be pretty easy. If you printed out your bank statement, I would know exactly what you treasure. Um, if I looked at your calendar and I identified how you spend your time, I would know exactly what it is that you treasure. And I hope that you treasure your family, and I hope that you treasure your home, and I hope that you treasure your church. And there's so many good things to treasure, but maybe there's some priorities that can be changed as well. Those are good indicators of what you treasure. And so as we move into 2024, take inventory. 
You know, they say a lot of people make goals and those goals don't last beyond the first couple weeks of January. I urge you, church family, take inventory, make courageous choices. Maybe this year, if you're a workaholic, you'll say no to some overtime. Maybe you'll spend less and save more. Maybe you'll stay in and spend more time with your kids and your family. Maybe you'll read a great book, join a care group, sign up for a serving team. Maybe you'll spend more time in the Bible. Come on. Maybe you'll spend more time sitting in silence, sleeping, hallelujah, exercising, listening to a great podcast. I was listening to the Bible Project podcast over Christmas. Oh, I love it. It's so good. It's feeding my spirit. It's amazing. Maybe you'll do less and not more this year. And what I pray is that God helps you embrace godliness with contentment. Second point, kind of related a little bit to the first one. I want to encourage you to let go of distraction let go of distraction. Now, this is one of the craziest definitions. The word distraction comes from the Latin word, which means to be pulled apart. Just meditate on that for a moment. To be distracted is to be pulled apart. Wow. It refers to a drawing of the mind in many directions. It is such a fight to stay focused, isn't it? And we often don't think about it, but it's a spiritual fight because the devil and every demonic force wants to distract you from things that really matter. There are many things that we could talk about here, but I'm going to talk to you about a passion point of mine. And I'm going to, maybe some of you don't know this about Pastor Peter, but this is a huge passion point for me. I want to talk about media for a moment because I believe that so many problems in our world could be solved if we could overcome media addiction. Now, I'm a bit of an old soul when it comes to media. I'm probably less of a millennial and more of a boomer. I don't know. Um, But if you love media, just bear with me, because I'm going to say some good things about media in a few minutes as well. But currently, the average screen time for those between the ages of 16 and 64, how many people in the room are between 16 and 64? Yeah, probably the vast majority. It's sitting just below seven hours per day on average looking at devices and such. Um, For teenagers, it goes up. It goes up closer to eight hours per day, and some young people are glued to screens upwards of 10 hours per day. And uh, I didn't say this yesterday at the Christmas party, but I was at this Christmas party, and there was a grade 10 uh, high school girl there, and I, I decided to strike up a conversation. I said, what do you do? And she said, well, I'm homeschooled, but if I could be honest, I spend the entire day watching TV. And she said, that's what I do every day. Um, Many young people spend most of their awake life staring at a screen. Uh, Social media is popular, online gaming, watching video clips, movies, TV. If we were to look specifically at cell phones, did you know that COVID only amplified our addiction to our phone? I mean, kind of no, no big surprise there, right? Um, a recent study of 1,000 adults, I don't know if I believe this. This is kind of crazy, but a recent study of 1,000 adults showed that people check their screen in such a way that their phone lights up 344 times per day on average. And I thought, no, that can't be. That's an average of about once every four minutes. And then I got really convicted. Then I got really convicted because, let me tell you, 
I'm terrible at this. I start feeling anxiety when I don't have my phone. I feel like somebody chopped my arm off when I don't have my phone. And it, it, it's not even vibrating in my pocket, and I'll just pull it out, and I'm just looking at my hand and looking at my phone. It's crazy. And so I'm not picking on you necessarily. I'm picking on me. But there's a quote by a leadership expert named Michael Hyatt, and he says, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. Isn't that a quote? Wow. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. In other words, the more that we try to take in, the less focused we'll be. Culture says more. God says more is not better. Godliness with contentment is better. Godliness with contentment is better. Now, this is a bit funny. Don't get too ashamed of yourselves, but did you know that the average attention span of humans is decreasing? Um, right now, apparently, it's at about 8.25 seconds. That is less than the nine-second attention span of your average goldfish, just so you know. Um, <clears throat> now, that tells me I better keep this sermon really interesting, right? <laughs> I better change it up about every 8.25 seconds or I'm going to lose somebody in the room. Um, but what's ironic about distraction? and especially about media, and here's where I'm going to encourage some of our tech guys and media guys as well, is there's a lot of good, good things that we can find online as well. There is a wealth of information. Um, all the content that I develop for my sermons comes from online. It does. I have a Bible app. I read my Bible online. I have Bible study tools. I look at original languages online. I read commentary, and I listen to what other leaders are saying on particular passages. We communicate online. That's not a bad thing. I send emails and texts. I call my family and my friends. I have videos and pictures of my kids on my phone. Um, our media guys, I'm going to give a shout out to Tyler and to Landon. Yeah, give them a hand. Right? They make beautiful graphics and videos and reels on social media that help us communicate inspiration of the gospel message and invite people to church. My wife, her business is exclusively online. She builds websites. And so how can I, how can I knock online and media too much? Not everything that happens online is bad, but it's what we do with media that matters most. Now, the example that came to me as I was developing this point is, is money. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. What does it say? First Timothy 6, 10, it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And what I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me is, it's the same with media. It's the exact same. There's a wrongful lust for media, and many have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's addiction to video games and gambling and shopping and pornography and fake news and conspiracy theories and fear-mongering. And aside from that, let me tell you, there's just a lot of wasted time. There's a lot of wasted time scrolling through content and videos that, if I could just be honest, they benefit nobody. Next time you get in a scrolling pattern, say, what eternal value is this having right now on my time? Now, here's a Bible story that comes to mind with this point. 
In Matthew 14, we find the apostle Peter, and Peter and the other disciples are out on the lake in the middle of the storm, and they see an incredible miracle. And at first, they scream and they shout, and they believe that they must be seeing a ghost, but their eyes clear, and what they see is Jesus walking on the water out in the middle of the storm. Can you imagine that? What a story. And so Peter gets inspired, and he says, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come, Peter. And so Peter steps out of the boat, verses 29 to 31 of Matthew 14. It says, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus when he saw the strong wind and waves. I want you to remember that line. He was terrified and began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. What lessons can we learn? When Peter saw the strong wind and waves, he began to sink. When there's so much to look at, when it's so loud and it's so forceful, we can't help ourselves. We lose focus and we take our eyes off of Jesus. Why is it that so many people are anxious? Why is it that they're depressed? Why is it that they're addicted? It's because of hyperstimulation and distraction. It's because they're being pulled apart. I want to share a little bit more of my story. Um, And let me tell you, this has been over the course of 20 years. This started when I was 15. Um, But I I don't do social media. I don't. I don't have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, any of that. I don't even have an app store. My wife disabled my app store, and, and I love it. That's, it's good. I use two apps. I use the YouVersion Bible app, and I use Sportsnet, okay? <laughs> I like watching hockey. I love my Edmonton Oilers. But uh, I grew up on a dairy farm. We never had video games. Uh, we were always outside with the cows or harvesting. We have one laptop in our house. It belongs to Chantel. I don't get to use it. Um, we don't have, yeah, we don't have tablets. We don't have iPads for the kids. And I know I sound like a really old Amish guy right now. Like, that's, that's how I'm sounding. Um, but we've made a very conscious decision to significantly limit media intake for ourselves and for our kids. We don't do multiple streaming services. My goodness, how many of them are there? Like, I just thought it used to only be Netflix. And then it was like, like Apple TV came, and there's just so, so many. We keep it simple, and everything is password protected. You probably have your own systems. You probably have your own boundaries. I pray to God that you do. But that was Jesus calming a storm. And we didn't get there overnight. Let me tell you, this was a 20-year journey for me of gradually cutting things out. This was Jesus calming the storm. And I want to celebrate that my home is like calm waters when it comes to media. It's beautiful. Yeah. Amen. I don't say that to pat myself on the back because I wish you could have seen the whole journey. I was Peter walking on the water staring at wind and waves. I was Peter who lost faith and lost focus and began to sink. Distraction was drawing me in. I was losing focus. Some people think that's a really legalistic religious decision to make to do those kinds of things, but it wasn't. It's actually been spirit-led because whenever I've gone back again to some of these media things, the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, buddy, you should be reading your Bible. 
or you should be listening to a great teaching, or you should just be sitting in silence, and you should just be resting and enjoying time with me. And as this has helped me in such a way to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, my last point today, somewhat different from my first two, talked about desire, talked about distraction. I want to finish up today by encouraging you to let go of disappointment. Um, maybe you're in church today, and not just in 2023, maybe in the years previously, you've gotten used to putting on a really great front, a really great act, but you're really struggling. Internally, there's cynicism, snarky cynicism, there's depression, there's insecurity, there's anxiety. You have to work so hard to be uplifting and cheerful. And I don't know the reasons for that. Maybe it's weights that you've carried since you were a child, abusive parents, failed relationships, pain and problems in your marriage, disappointment with your children or your grandchildren, uh, disappointment in your work and your finances, you're struggling. That's a storm. It's interesting. I was listening to Nick lead that song, Firm Foundation. Wind came, you know? Wind blew, waves. My eyes were fixed on you. I just want to encourage you today to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to hear me today when I say that God made you to be victorious and not a victim. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know my story. You haven't even taken a moment now to hear what I've been through. You don't know the hurt that I've experienced or the hurt that I'm carrying. In no way do I want to minimize that at all. But what I do know, because it's true for every human being, is those who are enfolded into the love of Jesus and filled with His Spirit are victorious. You're not a victim. Your God is awesome. He lives in you. His grace is sufficient. If you're not experiencing that power and freedom, I just pray that you would receive it, a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit, and naturally, beautifully, you would be able to let go of disappointment. Things like fear and worry and anxiety and hopelessness, those things create an internal dialogue. I want to talk about two different dialogues. There's an internal dialogue that we have. There's a pastor I listen to, and he says that worry is a conversation you have with yourself, and faith is a conversation that you have with God. And we, we have conversations with ourselves that are so painful. But faith moves us to a new and better conversation. It's a prayerful conversation. It's declarative. It's celebratory, where we stand on the Word of God. And so I want to invite you into a new and better conversation. Jesus walked on water. Our God walks on stormy waters. He moves mountains. He heals broken hearts. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says that he can do more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. I'm going to list off some New Year's verses for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, God knows the plans he has for you, plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 34, 18 says God is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Romans 8.28 says that he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know where I heard this verse recently? It's when my seven-month-old niece died and her mom, Danielle, spoke up and said, I know that God is going to work everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What a champion. 
And so give your burdens to God. Psalm 55, 22 says he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done, and you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. One more Psalm 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This is like a prophetic declaration, all of these passages of Scripture to anybody who is disappointed. God is good. He is sovereign. He's coming. We're going to live with Him for eternity. He'll wipe away every tear. There will be joy everlasting. Make a conscious effort to grow in grace. And as you do, you'll leave disappointments behind. I want to talk about the, the DNA of this church a little bit, because I think there's, a, there's something that's in the heart of Pastor Greg, and there's something that's in the heart of those like Mrs. Agri and, and, and the leadership of this church. And it's that the leadership of this house celebrates the victory of the cross, and we celebrate the gift of God's Holy Spirit and His presence and power in the lives of those who believe. Now, is that because this is a prosperity gospel? Is that because life is perfect and pain-free? No, it's not. We don't celebrate a gospel that says everything is well and everything will always go well, but we have a victory mindset that declares that we can rise above problems and pain because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He is good. He is strong. He is gracious. He is kind. Let's give God a hand clap right now. Come on. Amen. And so my prayer for you, as you let go of disappointment, is that God would surprise you with joy. Thanks for joining us today. If you want more information, please visit our website, tfhchurch.ca, and we'll see you next week.